J-Cut, and this is the K-Cut. And we're back once again with our 94th Academy Awards Roundtable. This episode's categories are visual effects, cinematography, and editing. You know, all the visual stuff. Last time we covered audio, so now we get to get to, you know, the the actual movie aspect, the moving picture aspect. And we are going to kick things off with best visual effects. We have Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Free Guy, No Time to Die, and Dune. Fantabulous. All righty. Uh, Rachel, um, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about these uh, fine visual effects nominees. All right. Well, um, I think that this is a very interesting category because it's almost always deserving. And it's a chance for movies that don't normally get other nominations to show off. So um, I have ranked as number five, No Time to Die, just because it had a lot of cool visual effects, but also relied a lot on sort of more practical and stuff like that. So I was just less interested in that. Shang-Chi, I really liked. I thought it was really good. I put it as a solid number four. Free Guy, I thought, was um, great. It created this cool world. It was a fun adventure, and the visual effects certainly reflected that. I then jump in quality a bit to Spider-Man No Way Home, which I really enjoyed. And I think that of that, it was the visual effects that most suited the tone of its movie. It captured the whimsy. It also got into the darker stuff. And I I just think, when I was was watching it, it was on the shortlist at the time, and I thought, there's no way this can't make it in. It's that good. And then Dune, it's a titan, it's enormous, it's got such scope, such range, it creates this unbelievable universe, and it deserves to be first, and yeah, I think it's the least suspenseful win of the evening. Yeah, I think we have a very similar list, actually, and, um, you know, ranking No Time to Die last, which I did as well, I don't think that's uh, to say that it's not worthy of being here, but you're absolutely right, I feel like it definitely relied as much on practical effects, which is perfectly fine, especially if the, you know, the CGI edited effects outside of like maybe that one rocket scene, I don't want to really say too much, or the missiles rather. Um, Outside of that, everything else is a little bit hard to tell apart, which is usually the sign of really good effects, but the film is not 1000% reliant on these effects like the other nominees, so that's why I would place it last. Uh, free guy, I I have in fourth. Um, otherwise, we're nearly identical. I think uh, free guy I have in fourth because I feel like uh, it does so much with CGI and it's fantastic with it. But having said that, I feel like some of the detailing and stuff, while it's catering to this more obvious video game look, you know, it, it just doesn't look as as hyper-realistic or believable as, you know, the other three nominees. So that's, you know, I'm kind of splitting atoms here. Number three, I have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I, like you, felt for Spider-Man No Way Home. When I exited the theater having seen Shang-Chi, I was like, please, if there's going to be a Marvel film up for this category, please let it be this. I was not expecting the enormous titanic amount of cgi mythological creatures and settings that came out of the climax of that movie and even everything else around it was done exceptionally well i just i thought it was fantastic um but i still feel like when it comes to the marvel films that were represented spider-man no way home is the best of the bunch first off as soon as you put doctor strange into a movie 
you're guaranteed for this for this nomination. That <laughs> case in point, uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Secondly, the uh, the blending of all of the past and uh, current villains, all of the crazy action going on for like an entire hour towards the end there. It's a must. It's a must. But so is uh, Dune a must win in this scenario. What more can I say? The worms alone are crazy. Um, just, and this is what I was saying before with No Time to Die. If you can't tell the difference between the CGI and the practical effects, then that's already a good sign. But having said that, Dune is playing with like stuff that you know is not real. And yet you still have to question it. So... Yeah, Dune. Dune is a must-win. Alrighty, I guess I'm up for my ranking, which happened to be the exact same as Andreas. <laughs> We're pretty aligned on this one. For pretty much all the same reasons. I mean, No Time to Die, No Time to Die was, you know, because it, it, it was all practical. They did really well with what they had as far as being something that's more rooted in reality. Free Guy, I thought it was fun. I thought a lot of the visual references and just flat-out direct references were great. But like you said, it's like, you know, it's it's meant to be more playful and like a video game. And the next Shang-Chi, great effects all around, just the kind of world building they did. It was similar to the effects like like it's very much like Black Panther. Like, you know, they had a specific culture they had to deal with so that, you know, they really represented it well. And then, of course, Spider-Man, all the stuff that was happening, you know, like with all the villains and stuff. I mean, you know, it just... I think Marvel movies in general, I think special effects is like they set a high bar. And also, especially I think with Tom Holland's Spider-Man suit, I think that's probably one of the more creative aspects of Marvel's effects in general, being that his suit is made by Tony Stark. So it has like the nanobot technology. But, you know, we got to give it to Dune. I mean, this thing was massive in what they had to do. Like you said, like the word, like honestly, it, like those worms could be real. Like they just looked that good. So I guess we're all in in unison going to say that the thing's going to win. Moving on, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on to uh, hopefully a much less predictable category. Um, Rachel, what are these best cinematography nominees looking like? Right. So uh, cinematography is really stacked this year. I think that all these guys deserve to be here and there were no weird decisions. Um, and so we've got Nightmare Alley, The Tragedy of Macbeth, The Power of the Dog, Dune, and West Side Story. Let's find out how we ranked them. So number five, and I hate that I have this last, I have Nightmare Alley. Um, I feel like it's so it's so hazy looking and it feels like you're almost looking at like an actual film strip with the light peering through. And considering that... This is a neo-noir, don't get me wrong, but Guillermo del Toro, it felt like he was trying to get a classic film noir through modern means and with color, of course, but still, it almost feels like if you were to tint this black and white, this would look like a straight-up film noir in a classic sense, and I can't fault it for that. It does look absolutely astonishing. Do I feel like that there are some possible snubs that I would have placed here instead, like Passing or The Green Knight? Sure, absolutely. Having said that, um, I can't fault it for looking as great as it does. It still lasts, though, and uh, actually, I'm going to go a little bit different than what I had on the website on Films Fatale. I had Power of the Dog fourth, but I'm actually going to place West Side Story fourth instead. West Side Story is fantastic with what it does. It's less to do with 
the artistic aspect and more to do with the camera work itself. Like the angles, especially that one overhead angle of like the big climactic fight towards the end of the film, I think it's just breathtaking to look at. And like the, you know, it's lens usage as well. is just brilliant. Um, you know, all of its sweeps and pans and dolly shots. I feel like that's where it really excels. Um, I'm going to place Power of the Dog third. And again, as you can tell, I could probably change this at any time because uh, these are, this is a really stacked category, as you said, Rachel. Um, Power of the Dog third, I, depending on the day, I either really like, you know, like the sepia, brown, beige tones of the entire film, or I absolutely adore them. And today I feel like I adore them. I feel like just the fact that you're looking at through this living photo book from like back in the day, back in the 1920s, is just jaw-dropping. It's just gorgeous to look at. Um, believe it or not, I don't think I would really consider too many action films in, or, you know, action epics in this spot, but Dune Second just seems like it fits perfectly. Um, I feel like uh, Denis Villeneuve, no matter what film he's making, he always makes sure to work with the best cinematographers, and uh, Greg Frazier here is, uh, is, is no different. I feel like... Uh, you know, to capture, you know, the enormous scope of Dune, you need a fantastic photographer. And that's exactly what he has here. Um, it just looks as great as it feels. Number one, I have the tragedy of Macbeth, which I feel like it's, uh, it's monochromatic use of black and white. And I don't mean gray. Cause like technically it's what black and white film is. I mean, like at times literally black and white, like this thing feels like it's a minimalist abstract world that takes place in your mind at times. Cause it just shuts out entire parts of what you're supposed to be seeing through shadows or it illuminates everything as if you're going delirious. Hands down my favorite of the year. Having said that the actual winner is really tough. Um, I think it's either the power of the dog or Dune because Cody Smith McPhee doesn't seem like he's going to be winning Best Supporting Actor anymore up against Troy Kutzer for Coda. I'm going to say Power of the Dog might swoop up and win Best Cinematography here to pick up its other win for its Best Picture rally. So I'm going to go Power of the Dog to win. Okay. How about you, James? So my list is actually fairly different. I kind of deviated greatly. So I actually put Power of the Dog last. And this isn't to discredit the cinematography, but I thought... My thing with Power of the Dog, I think its work as a whole is stronger than its nominations in the nuanced categories. Oh, I totally know what you mean by that. Yeah, and I don't even have anything bad to say about it. It's just like it. I think I think they could have probably done more, but like I said, it's it's real tricky with these kind of more spiritual films that mostly take place outside because it's you're not supposed to focus on the nuances. You're supposed to focus on it as a whole. Uh, number four, I put Nightmare Alley because similar to Miss Andreas, it's it does what it's trying to do very well, but that's kind of where it ends. I think they could have. Yeah, I think it gets more credit for having the nuances of like the carnival setting and all the different set pieces they have to deal with. Now, three, I put Dune primarily because, and this has amazing landscape photography, being that they're primarily in the desert, but. That film needed its visual effects in order to work. I don't, I don't think the cinematography is strong enough alone. It's mm-hmm. it's a worthy nomination, but I think it just that's where it kind of sits in the middle for me. I put West Side Story number two for the for the reasons that you credited was the camera movement, and it's not just the camera movement. It's when you're dealing with choreography, the precision you need 
to pull off these shots is really what makes things stand out cinematography wise for me. Because I mean, you look at all those like the complicated dance numbers and the fact that you have all these shots moving in and out and you know, you have to be really precise, especially from an editing standpoint, you have to be really precise with the photography. And also I think, uh, I think they also did lighting well in times of night or indoors. So yeah, so that, that one was kind of just like really up there for me. And number one, Tragedy Macbeth, for similar reasons, Andreas, I don't just the way they approach the black and white, it almost looks like a fever dream, but yeah, it just kind of takes you to this other world. It's just, it's really unique when people try to take on Shakespeare. And I think they definitely pulled it off in a way that I don't think people were expecting. I mean, as far as winners are concerned, I think it might just go to West Side Story. It's really hard when Spielberg's up for nomination because it's like he could sweep if he if if the Academy really wants to because it's Spielberg because he's been doing this forever. It's he knows what he's doing. And that's why West Side Story worked. That's so funny because I'm kind of a little bit Andreas and a little bit James on this. So um, I was I was laughing when you said that Nightmare Alley was last and you were a little bit ashamed because I also feel exactly the same way. I think Nightmare Alley was really cool. It caught some really cool imagery and it was perfect for what it was trying to do. Just didn't really light the world on fire for me. Um, The Tragedy of Macbeth uh, ranked fourth, my apologies. I think it was really well done, well executed. It captured what it was supposed to. But again, it was sort of a day at the office thing. I don't know. I just did not click with that movie very well, I think. Um, Then I put Power of the Dog next. This is mostly for... The way that Jane Campion, one of her strongest points, I think, is how she and her crew handle landscapes and setting and how they build this whole world and they build this mood through the setting. And uh, filming in fake Montana, actually New Zealand, they really cast a sense of the characters' um, emptiness and of their motivations and their struggles and I just think that the cinematography really was what made that movie work in a lot of ways um okay so Power of the Dog solid third Dune second place and honestly I think it's going to win I think it was very strong all around and it did new and inventive things West Side Story though for pretty much the same reasons as James I put first I think it was Cinematography drawing on the best traditions of cinema. A lot of people compare it to Yakuba. Um, it's um, the use of colors is unbelievable. The way that they make different things stand out in every scene, and it was just completely knocked out of the park. If there was one movie I would say see in theaters over the last year, it is West Side Story purely for that reason. And so that's why I think Dune is most likely to win, but West Side Story could spoil. So, like I said, I'm a little bit on both your sides. I mean, this is a really tough category, and I feel like uh, I feel like again, it's so stacked that um, that any of these orders really do apply. To, to, depending on you know, like just I, I don't think any of these are, are clear winners or clear losers. Like I think these are all just a really good batch of five. I, it could go either way for sure. Mm-hmm. And again, all of them would be deserving, and that's not too common. Since I gave a couple of snub shoutouts, do either of you feel like anything was not represented here that should have been? I'll co-sign your official complaint about passing. Oh yeah, like that's that's just Best silly. Come on, probably or up there anyway. I didn't see passing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think there's. See, it's hard because I think it was. I don't think there was really anything that didn't deserve it. If documentaries could get in, I would. I would think about ascension. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that yeah. yeah. I think that one would have been a good one. That would have been fantastic. Uh, nonetheless. Uh, 
We're going to get into the final uh, visual category uh, in a sense. So, you know, one was photographical, one was CGI. This is the one that pieces all of the visual elements together. This is the best film editing category. So, uh, without further ado, your nominees. We have Don't Look Up, Dune, King Rishad, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Alrighty, James, let's hear those rankings. Alrighty. So, last I had Power of the Dog, kind of my similar sentiments for cinematography. It's not something that you're supposed to notice. Just the the film kind of moves and just the ebb and flow of it. I mean, it was edited really well, but it's it wasn't necessarily the highlight. Next, I had King Richard. King Richard's editing didn't get really interesting until the actual shots of tennis players. For the most part, it was like standard biopic energy. But then once you get to the tennis, it's really cool. But it's like, that's not the bulk of the movie. So that's why it kind of sits at number four for me. I said Dune for three because while it was great and they did a lot of groundbreaking stuff like visually and just the storytelling and world building of this whole ginormous property, I felt that a lot of the editing was what I expected. So I don't know. Dune, it's funny. Dune kind of sat like in the middle of me for a lot of things. And I think it's probably because it's the second part isn't out yet. So I think that one's going to up the ante from the first one. Number two, I put Don't Look Up, and that mostly comes from not just the standard picture editing, but I think it deals with a lot of news reports and social media. So that's where it gets a higher mark for editing for me because they have to have all these elements in succession. So, I, I mean, it's like that film can be clunky at times, but I think with what they had to do as far as like, you know, all the stuff just concerning the situation, but also like the news reporting, the social media, adding all that stuff together. It's like, I can only imagine what it was like in the editing room, putting all that together. And the number one tick, tick, boom, this film was edited. That was just pure magic. And I think it comes from the approach of, cause it wasn't, it wasn't just like his show tick, tick, boom. It was his stage show version intercut with this kind of like biopic of his life around the time and just the intercut between both. It was just masterfully done. And I don't know, Tick, Tick, Boom didn't get enough love from the Academy, to be honest. It did not. So which one do you think will win again? I think Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay. Hands down. Really? Yeah. I just, I just thought it was the best edited that I saw. Interesting. Do you have any snubs? Snubs. Uh, uh, maybe Spencer. Mm, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. I think Spencer could have been up for a lot of these categories and it didn't. Oh God. Yes. It, Pablo Lorraine forever gets disrespected by the Academy. Yeah. Other than that, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that, you know, may, maybe one of the, I don't know, maybe a lot. I think a lot of the visual effects nominees could have been editing. Mm-hmm. Like no time to die could have easily been editing, but oh, definitely, I mean, an action flick. Yeah. That definitely could have been editing, but yeah, other than that, nothing really, that stood out editing wise that I thought should be here. Yeah. Um, well, my particular snub was West Side Story because I think, again, everything about that movie was really well done technically and it just would have been a nice spot to have. Um, so I've got two uh, that I've pretty much ranked in the same position interchangeably. Uh, number five, King Richard. Number four, Don't Look Up. And this is because these movies were so bloated and so draggy and I kept checking my watch and taking breaks through them. And that is just not the way it should be. 
Um, and I know that they had to work with the rough runtime and the rough screenplay that they had. And so they would have been long either way. But I think good editing can elevate what is already there. And so I just felt these movies really slogged when they didn't need to. So these guys didn't have great editing, to be honest. Um, when I look at a film like Drive My Car, it's three hours long and it's very slow in its action, but it was still compelling the whole time. So actually, that one should right. have been here, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Power of the Dog, number three, just all around solid job. It did what it was supposed to do. Great job. Dune, again, it was handling so many different elements, and I think it carried them off very well. And it was a long movie as well, but rather concise in the way it was played out. So, yeah, I was okay with Dune the way it was. And number one, same as James, Tick, Tick, Boom. And I do think it's going to win as well. I think... First of all, I have a little bit of a bias towards musicals. We all know this, but it carried off so many different parts so well, like the therapy musical number and bouncing back and forth between song and real story. It just was stellar and it was an inspired nominee. And I suspect that if people liked it enough to nominate it, then it may well push it to the win. So I predict it as well. Well, I'm hoping that it does get watched, uh, maybe not for this nomination, but at least for Andrew Garfield. That could be the reason why people watch it and then maybe recognize, my goodness, the editing is actually really good. But before I, you know, spoil my number one, which I basically already have, um, on my website, on Films, on Films Fatale, I pretty much put um, The Power of the Dog in fifth. I'm actually going to change that. I'm going to place King Richard in fifth. I feel like the editing is really, really strong and i feel like the um you know it sometimes you know it sometimes shows what it can do with uh again the tennis scenes and whatnot having said that i do have to agree with what you're saying rachel the fact that it is still a little over long some of it just kind of just doesn't really gel together and, and you know i feel like it's a standard as can be outside of these tennis scenes and sometimes that's just not enough i don't know um, the snub that I would have replaced it with, perhaps, is Summer of Soul, which it, I know is a documentary, but the fact that they had to cut together all of these interviews, all of this archival footage, I don't know. To me, that should have been a no-brainer, but, you know, here we are. Yeah. Number four, I I had uh, The Power of the Log fifth. Now I'm going to have place it in fourth. Um, I feel like maybe before when I wrote my list that I was feeling like, you know, it's minimalism was perhaps not as showy as the rest of the nominees. But, you know, having said that, at least its minimalism showcases some sort of an awareness, perhaps more than what King Richard has. And I feel like it's just grown to me a little bit more. And sometimes no cuts is the sign of good editing as well, where you're allowing, you're allowing a film to kind of breathe a little bit. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to boost that up to fourth. Otherwise everything else is going to stay the same as I wrote. It, in my original list, number three, I have Don't Look Up. And I fully understand what you're saying as well, Rachel. Having said that, I feel like a film this lopsided, maybe this is the best that they could have done. Maybe it just did not make sense that this is the shortest they could have gotten in it. You never know with a film this lopsided. You know what I'm saying? Like, you never know. So, Yeah. And my complaint isn't so much the runtime, it's the pace. Of course, of course. But I feel like with everything, like what 
scenes would have made sense to have taken out. That's the thing. I feel like it was maybe so all over the place and bloated that perhaps, again, this is the best I could have done. And at least it gets a couple of extra brownie points from me because of the occasional uh, finessing of editing with, you know, like the, the crazy juxtapositions and, um, you know, cross-cutting. And, of course, you know, the usage of external sources like, you know, found footage and all of that stuff. So... I mean, I know it's not technically a sign of good editing, but I am a sucker for the editing in Adam McKay films that just toss in all of the cuts, all of the cuts. So it's number three. Number two, Dune, I feel like in the same way that I have to question, is this the best that they could have done with Don't Look Up? I feel like they probably had like 15 hours of footage for Dune and they made it, despite the fact that it's only half a story, they made it work as much as possible and I feel like it's really commendable here and I feel like it's so fluid that you never really notice it and I think that's fantastic. Number one, I don't need to say much more than what the two of you already said. Tick, tick, boom. The way that it hops back and forth between the stage show and the biopic is incredible. The timing, the timing of all of the cuts and precision with the music and everything, it's a no-brainer. And I would love to think that Tick, Tick, Boom would win. Um, I predicted Dune when I initially wrote this. It can't win every tech award. It can't. Let's, why not? Let's make it a trifecta. Let's go with Tick, Tick, Boom to win. Are you listening to us, Academy? <laughs> no, they're they're not because I, I, we're not going down that road. But they're clearly not listening to us for a whole heap of reasons. But um, what will we talk about? Right. So I want to talk about something else that was controversial, and that is the fan favorite vote that they are doing Ugh. online at the moment. So it's not an official category, but they're going to announce on the ceremony in place of other stuff. Some people might find important is. Um, it's the result of basically online polling. It's kind of like a People's Choice Awards vibe. And so the movies aren't really the prestige ones we're kind of used to. Um, they're more, uh, you know, big box office favorites or well-known franchises, that kind of thing. Alrighty, so in alphabetical order, the Oscar, the Oscar fan favorite, <clears throat> I'll get through this without laughing, of course. We have uh, Army of the Dead, um, Cinderella, the Camilla Cabello one, the Dune, Malignant, Minamata, The Power of the Dog, Sing 2, <coughs> uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Suicide Squad, which, need I remind you, Suicide Squad, the bad one, is an Oscar winner, The Suicide Squad, and Tick, Tick, Boom. So, uh, which one hurts the most? <laughs> Uh, probably the Cinderella one, but, um, I suspect the only one to have made a billion dollars since the pandemic started may win. Just a thought. Yeah, because, you know, a popular film is probably going to win a popular vote. That's, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's, uh, too far-fetched to say. I mean, yeah. um, there are some good ones on that list. For some reason, the Cinderella one was trending for a very long time. That's basically because of Camila uh, Cabello fans. And so, you know, that bothers me that just because this person is popular, even though we don't really like the movies kind kind of eh, it, it will get something. And that's really depressing because usually the Oscars pretend that isn't happening. Anyway, out of those, I would say Spider-Man's probably going to take it out of the list that we had before us. I like Tick, Tick, Boom best. That probably surprises no one. How about you guys? Out of everything, I actually really enjoyed the Suicide Squad 
It was actually really good, especially compared to the other one. Honestly, I think this should have been nominated for best costume. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it actually rivals Cruella for best costume. Which the Bad Suicide Squad won. <laughs> or like makeup and hair as well. I feel like that was a snub, yeah. There was so much that movie actually did right as far as just a general movie and just quality. You know, it's funny because the whole fan favorite thing, because there's always this debate on uh, if some of these films should be nominated for best picture. And I always just kind of look at it like there is kind of a more fan favorite type film that could win best picture. Like I saw the Batman a couple of days ago. That needs a best pick nom for next year. It also is one of the rare films that justified its three hour runtime. Like it appeals to pretty much anybody. If you're a comic book Batman fan, cool. If you're like a cinephile, you'll love it. You know, that's the kind of film. And I, I do think it just kind of asks the question. It's like, should some of these more commercial commercial films be considered for nominations because there's plenty of movies that don't get any love from award season that probably could except for like visual effects but there's plenty of these movies that could easily be for cinematography or you know costume or something like that right like sing two (laughs) i didn't even know there was a sing (laughs) two yeah i mean i i don't okay i'm gonna say spider-man's gonna win um dune might come second i feel like the power of the dog and tick tick boom are just from you know, people like ourselves, but uh, obviously we're not going to be. Well, they're also Netflix. They're also Netflix. That's true. Um, uh, are we allowed to provide thoughts on the overall decision to do this? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, I feel like doing this proves that they have no idea who their audience is and who they're listening to because a lot of the people who are voting are people who aren't necessarily interested in the awards and they're hoping that their favorite film gets selected for this. Um, and they're probably going to tune out right afterwards. I feel like something like this is the complete opposite direction of where the Academy should go. The, the, the Academy should basically recognize that it's lost the masses, yeah. but it has its core devotees like ourselves. And this is just not the way to go about it, especially when we get into another rant in the next episode, when it comes to other god-awful decisions that they've decided to do, but that's beside the point. I feel like something like this is the wrong form of engagement. Yes. I feel like this is the type of thing that they could be doing year-round, not in the ceremony, because at this point, it's like they're pretending to care and being like, oh, goody, Spider-Man No Way Home won your fan favorite. Well, it's not up for Best Picture, so moving on. Like, I feel like it's, it's not really the right way to go about it. That's just me. I wouldn't be against it if they didn't make it part of the actual ceremony. Basically. Exactly. Like, just do it outside. Exactly. Or that pre-show that they apparently do now. That's perfect. Go for that. This could be the pre-show, not actual nominees. This could be the pre-show. Anyway. Yeah. I'm going to save that. Okay, so... We should probably round up this episode. Before we go, you can find us as The K-Cut on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our collective smorgasbord pick is The Sterile Cuckoo, and our individual picks are Wait Until Dark, Bully, and the one that I assigned to another person. Yes, being there. Fantastic. Well, that was The K-Cut. Uh, tune in next time for some more Academy Award nominees. We're going through all of the shorts. Unfortunately, the episode won't be short. We're going to do a deep dive into all of the nominated shorts. We're now going into the L-Cut. <laughs> <laughs>